Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back for another episode of Seeing Other People. Today's episode is such a fun one, so I want to keep the intro short and get right into it. We have Marianne Yip on the show today. She is a travel and lifestyle blogger who creates content really to inspire people. And she's also the host of the podcast, The City Confessions, which I went on. So check out that episode. We had such a blast. And she came out with a book earlier this year called Unhinged, What I Learned from Saying It's You, It's Not Me in the New York City Dating scene and her book is so amazing and inspiring and it's really a collection of her dating stories and experiences and not necessarily what she learned about dating but more so what she learned about herself and about what was important to her and what she values and and how she grew through these experiences so absolutely worth checking out we're going to talk all about that we're going to talk about you know what you can learn about yourself and about dating from being in therapy we're going to talk about setting boundaries we're going to talk about breaking rules and our expectations and standards and our checklists and it's an amazing episode and she is so great so get ready we're getting into it i'm so excited for you to hear this one. Shout out to Athletic Greens for sponsoring this episode. I'm so excited to tell you about their product AG1 that I now use daily. As many of you know, I've been struggling with my health a lot lately. Between tummy issues and my immune system failing me, I've been searching everywhere for a solution. After hearing all my favorite podcasters and influencers share their experiences with AG1, I finally gave it a try and I am so glad that I did. So what is AG1? AG1 is a powder supplement. With one scoop, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. I've now gotten all my friends hooked on it, and they're as obsessed as I am. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him $100 a day. So he created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to create an optimal nutrition routine on your own. The best part is... It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com SOP. Again, that's athleticgreens.com SOP to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. And we are here with Marianne. Yep. Marianne, welcome to seeing other people. Thank you. I'm so, so, so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. So, you know, quick backstory for everyone. Um, we just recorded an episode of Marianne's podcast, The City Confessions, and we immediately were like, all right, like we get each other. <laughs> we it. This is right. We figured out we went to the same college also. And um, we I, I just really admire everything that you do. So I'd love to hear, you know, just to kind of back up how you ended up getting to where you are now in terms of your career and the work that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a long story, but I'm gonna keep it short because I feel like we have so many topics to talk about. So but much. I kind of always say that my start on Instagram was like right place, right time type of situation. Because when I was in college, and so are you, um, that's when social media started to like kind of, you know, evolve and, and just start it. And it was 2011. I created Instagram and I really used it just to get the filters to post mm -hmm. pictures on my Facebook album because I thought it was so cool and vintage. And then then I knew, oh, it's an actual like photo sharing app. And I was like, okay, cool. Let me share some of my lifestyle. I was studying abroad. I showed a lot of like New York City photos since I'm a native. And people were like really fascinated by photos of the city, especially like a picture of me in front of a taxi. Like they were like, how did you not get like you know, why are you, how are you still alive? So it was just really fun. And I was like, oh, I love photography. I love storytelling. Let me just share my life. So I was like an early adopter. And then I took it seriously when events and brands started to reach out. And I was like, oh my God, this is like a new industry that's been formed before my eyes. And I was working advertising. I decided to quit because I was just miserable. And I really wanted to like pursue this career that was really just unsteady and unpredictable. And here I am today. <laughs> I love that. And it's so funny. I remember, I think the first time I realized like, oh, there are like 11 people following me on this app. I remember being yes. in my freshman year dorm. And yeah, I was also just using it for picture for like the filters. And then mm -hmm. I was like, wait, 
what? There are people who can see this? Huh? It's so funny how it evolved and, and you know, I guess how you in a way fell into it, but then decided to mm-hmm. embrace it. And so I'm really excited to hear about your book. So earlier this year, you published Unhinged, what I learned from saying it's you, it's not me in the New York City dating scene. Yeah. How did that come yes. into play? Let me just show you. I have it here. Okay. Gorgeous. So funny story. So a little backstory. I was in like a long-term relationship when I was in college, broke up when I was 25. And then I just did like a soul searching year when I was 26, right? Like literally swore off all men and like didn't flirt, did like nothing, just went like completely in my own soul searching journey. And then when I turned 27, I was like, I think it's time to put myself out there. And this was when the whole dating apps was the norm. And I was hearing such great stories from my friends and I was kind of not the only single one, but you know, I was one amongst like several. And um, I just decided to give Hinge, which is why my book is called Unhinge, a chance. And it's the only app that I've been on. I'm no longer on it. And I was talking to my best friend. I would call her after every single day, as I'm sure all of us do. And we would just chit chat. She lives in Pennsylvania. So we have like a long distance friendship. But it would be like an hour plus chat every single time. She would be so excited because I would literally sit her down and talk about every single day, what I liked, what I didn't like, analyzing everything. And during COVID, she was like, you should write a book. She knew that I've always loved writing. And she's like, your stories are so interesting. Like, you literally can't make this up. And I was really just tapping into one, boredom, because let's be honest, what the hell did we all do during COVID? And two, I was like, this is a perfect opportunity for me to channel my experiences and just my creative outlet. I didn't think I was going to publish it, to be honest. But when I wrote it, everything was so clear. Like I knew how my cover would be. I knew how my chapters would be laid out. And it just kind of wrote itself to the point where I'm like, oh my God, I need to get this out there. Like I know people can relate. And then um, did all of editing 2021. And then yes, it launched this year, 2022. That's so incredible. And you know, I really admire the fact that you went into it just kind of doing it for you and you didn't plan to like have this be a part of your business, your career. Like you were just like, I'm writing this for me. And then you were like, wait a second, there's something bigger here. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that you said that too, because um, I'm like a private person. So when I'm working on anything that's really sacred to me, I do not tell people. And I know even some people were not like upset, but they were like, why didn't you tell me you were writing a book? I didn't even tell my therapist. She was like, we've been talking about dating every single session and you didn't tell me you were writing a book. And I was like, well, I wanted to do this for me. I didn't want to announce it just yet, just because I didn't want to be influenced by outside noise or opinions or people following up like it was my time and I think when you're creative you just have to honor that process and whatever feels right to you so yeah it was kind of like a secret thing I was doing on the side I love that I honestly think that's the way to go and I think there's a lot to take away from that in terms of how we date also because you were the one making the decisions you weren't being influenced by other people in your life whether they were you know people on the internet or people like your Mm -hmm. So your therapist, because I think sometimes, you know, I just wrote this piece on asking our, like, stop asking the group chat for dating advice. And I think it's one of those situations where you could have like such a clear vision in your head or a clear opinion on somebody or on a situation. And then when you tell other people, suddenly you have like 10 different people giving you their opinions and their perspectives. And it gets really confusing. Like, okay, well, what's the right move? Like what Mm -hmm. choice? Am I going to be disappointing somebody else if I don't do what they suggested? So I think that's really great. And I'm sure that's probably a big reason why you're able to like get so much out of this writing process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. And I think you're right because sometimes when we do that, like I was doing that a lot. I was asking my friends a lot for yeah. advice. And I feel like once I was doing that, one, I'm outsourcing like my own intuition to others, which is something that we should never do. And two, the more you do that, you're creating a habit and you like trust yourself less. And I realized I was like, wait, but this doesn't feel right. Or like, I don't know, I'm like, my actions weren't really aligning with my feelings. And like the one common theme throughout my book, I'm always saying, I'm a feeler, I'm a feeler, I'm a feeler. Like there are things that I would do, even looking back, I may regret or whatever. 
but I'm like, that's what I felt in the moment. And that's what I did. And that's, I, I'm not going to, you know, be sorry about that. Yes. I love that mindset. I think that's something, you know, I get questions all the time from listeners, like, how do I forgive myself for, you know, asking them out when I should have waited for them to ask me out? Or how do I forgive myself for being aggressive and like telling them Mm -hmm. how I felt? And it's like, first of all, it's not aggressive. You openly communicated. Second of all, you shouldn't have to even forgive yourself. There's nothing to forgive yourself for. You did what felt right for you in the moment. Mm -hmm. And look, there are a million things that in hindsight, I'm embarrassed that I did, or I definitely would not do them again, Mm -hmm. but I learned from them and it's what I wanted to do in the moment. Yes. I love that too, because in my book, even though my book, it's like, it's you, it's not me like, you know, as a joke, but I do also point out and it's raw and I recognize the areas and moments where I was not my best self, where I was like, I was in the wrong, you know, this is why I did what I did. And I'm not an angel either. So I do talk about men and what they've done, but I also recognize what I have contributed to. Yeah. And I think that's so important. And that's really how we learn and grow. So Mm -hmm. I know you mentioned your therapist before. I would love to hear some of your experience. Obviously, like when you're dating, especially in a place like New York City, there are so many ups and downs and, you know, so much confusion and so much anxiety and excitement about it. And I really appreciate that you brought up that you're in therapy because I think that's something that is so helpful and so important when you are navigating dating in your Mm -hmm. 20s and your 30s, whenever it is. So I'd love to hear, you know, about your journey with dating and, you know, having a therapist as a resource to maybe keep you grounded or help you recognize patterns. I know when I started going to therapy, it was when I was feeling like I was at rock bottom um, after a really bad dating situation. And I, it took my therapist pointing out that I continue to date the exact same type of person just in a different body for me to realize, oh my God, I'm dating the exact same type of person just in a different body. Mm -hmm. So I'd really love to hear what initially brought you to therapy and how you've used therapy as a resource and what you've learned from it throughout your dating experience. Yeah, it's interesting because I did not enroll in therapy for dating. I enrolled because I was grieving from a friend's passing in 2020 it was really hard for me and then I just maintained it because I've always been an advocate for therapy I will admit that I would talk about you know the benefits but I didn't really pursue it myself only because I knew that it was going to be like dating you have to find the right therapist and I at the time didn't could not commit to that process and even speaking from my own experience my first therapist is not the therapist that I'm with now so it definitely was again, a process. Um, so that's why I was into therapy. And then at the same time, I, I was recently dating, I was dating these guys. And yeah, I've learned a lot about like, why I chose the men I chose and why I attracted the men that I, you know, attracted. But I think the most important thing was that there was one time I was talking about my date, and you know, my therapist was listening and our session was ending. And she's like, this is great. You know, we're talking about like the red flags that you see. But next section, next session, let's talk about your red flags. I was like, my red flags? What you talking about? Yeah, I was like, I'm like, perfect. What do you mean? But, you know, jokingly. But that's when I realized therapy really offers you a mirror. And so do these men, right? Like at the end of the day, everybody is a reflection of you in some sort of way, whether it's a way that you don't recognize, you don't realize, you might shy from. Like you, we attract people for a specific reason. And there are obviously people that we just literally don't vibe with because we're like completely different. But there are certain habits and that's what she has allowed me to see, like the common denominator in all of my dates. And the one thing she was saying to me was that I speed date, even though I don't think so. But she was saying, you know, in New York, we're so quick. I'm not sure if you agree since you live here too, but... It's like, go, 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 go. And with dates, it was always like, is this working out or not? Because let me know because I don't have time to waste. But by rushing that process, I was also not, you know, giving relationships the appropriate time to really just unfold the way they're meant to. And I felt like I was really holding on to this control and I needed to like let go of that and just let things be. So... If you are anything like me and you are going on a date, you're probably like 
nervous, but also excited, but just like really want to have a good time. Don't want to screw anything up. And you get like the pre-date jitters. Um, for me, there were two things that I would do to help with those pre-date jitters. I would always call a friend for a little pump up speech. And I would also take a happy gummy from Mindset Wellness CBD before my date. It would help me stay in the right mood, being excited, being present, but it would also take away that layer of nerves that was going to stop me from being my best self on the date. I love the happy gummies. They are incredible. They taste great. They don't make you feel high or anything like that. They just make you feel like the best version of yourself. So try them today. Definitely recommend trying them before a date. Mindsetwellnesscbd.com. Use code seeing other people at checkout. That will get you 20% off and free shipping. No, I totally relate to that, especially I think when you're dealing with dating apps, it's, you know, it's like there's always somebody else out there. And so that makes you say like, okay, well, this person, you know, has like eight of the 10 things on my checklist, which you shouldn't have a checklist, by the way. Um, But they don't have 10. So let me go on to the next person who might have nine or 10 things. And, you know, Mm -hmm. if you are starting to have doubts about someone, it's like, well, there could always be someone out there. So it is this like really quick version of dating where you're not necessarily giving each person a chance Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to. And then I think there's a lot of people also experience the other problem where they struggle to get dates on dating apps. And so when they do finally match with somebody who they make it to a date to, they feel so much pressure for it to work out with that person. So they might even end up, you know, carrying it on for longer or trying to convince themselves to continue going out with them, even if they don't actually even feel a connection. No, those are all relatable. And I think with me, I was on the app for two years. And obviously, I wrote the book after those two years. But when I was looking back, I can see just different experiences. Like I've met quality men from the app where I developed like deep, real connections with. I've developed relationships with people where we didn't have a romantic connection, but they were great people overall. Or people that I was like, no, this is not going to work out. Or I just had fun on the app, you know? So it really depends also, one, what you're looking for. And two, I think it's okay to change your mind as well. Because I thought I wanted something serious. And then there are moments when I'm like, actually, I don't. So it's about like being intentional. That's like one thing I learned a lot from my dating experiences. Absolutely. I want to read a quote from your book. It says... When I entered the online dating world, I wanted to find love and be in a relationship, but I didn't know what that relationship would look like or feel like. Today, I know exactly what I want, and that's to be in a healthy, conscious, and growth-oriented relationship. And I really like how you mentioned growth-oriented because I think that's something that a lot of people forget about. And that's kind of the concept of like, look, yes, you grow as a person over time. I mean, you we've been talking for the last 15 minutes about how much like we've grown through our dating experiences, but you also need to find somebody who you can grow with. And that's really scary because also sometimes people grow apart. So I'm curious, you know, how your dating experiences led you to figure out like these are the things that you really want in Mm -hmm. a partner in a lasting relationship. Yeah, I love that you mentioned the growing together versus growing apart because that's why my last relationship of three and a half years ended. We just grew apart. Like we were just not in the same place in our life, the same you know, wavelength. And it's hard because like you said, we are all individual people entering a relationship. You know, they can be like a blurry line when people become like very similar and become like dependent and like me and you become one, which I personally disagree with. I think it's really, really important to kind of have your own personality, your own persona, like be grounded on your own. And somebody else should like elevate that and support you in that. And then it's just like two pillars just growing, you know, simultaneously together. So your question was, can you remind me again? Like how you figured out that you wanted this like healthy, conscious and growth oriented relationship. Yeah, well, I think I went to a point when I was like looking for something serious. And I think in order for something to be sustainable in the long term, there needs to be growth, right? I've never been the type to enjoy being like in this plateau with anything, with my business, with my careers, with my friendships, like everything for me, there needs to be some type of progress. And in relationships, there are moments when I'm like, okay, is this all I'm getting? Is this all we can both get out of each other? Because that's why some of my relationships ended. Like 
literally nothing bad happened, you know, but I was like, this is all I can give. And this is all I can receive from you. And therefore your expiration date has passed. And that's fine. People come into your lives, like I said, for a season and they serve you for a purpose and you learn so much from them. But then it's time to let go and like go on your own path to see what else is, is there for you. Yeah. And and I know that directly relates to uh, a key takeaway you had in your book that I wrote down, just because a relationship doesn't last doesn't mean that it wasn't special. And I think that is so important for people to recognize. And, you know, I hear all the time, like, oh, well, like we were dating, but it was only for six months. So like, it doesn't count. And it's like, no, that even if it was only for one month, like even if it was only for like two weeks, it can count and it could have impacted you. And like, I want people to know that and to not overlook things or, you know, kind of dismiss things just because they were short. Absolutely. One of my literally, one of my really good friends, she just had like a breakup with this guy on hinge and they, they were never official. You know, and she was kind of like, I feel like I'm going through a breakup, even though like we were never together. And I was like, that is still a relationship. Like you do not need to have labels to to make it significant. Like however you feel, that is what's important. And I think that's another thing I learned. It's it's like you said, don't have a checklist. Right. And I think all of us have some type of checklist, whether we blatantly admit, oh, my God, he needs to be this tall, this age, whatever, or we are putting attributes like he needs to be ambitious and driven, employed. That's really important. But you know what I mean? Then I realized it's not about those titles because so often I feel like even with friends, like let's say I'm dating somebody, you're dating somebody. How many of your friends are always like, oh my gosh, show me a picture. Or like, so what does he do? How tall is he? How old is he? And I get that. But why don't we change the conversation? And why don't you ask me, how does he make you feel? What is the one thing you love about him? Yes. Or what is the one thing he yes. likes about you? And when I started to realize that, I was like, oh, my God, my answer or their answer, whoever's answer, says so much. Because if I can say, I'm seeing this guy and he makes me feel so safe, so secure, so seen, hello, that outweighs how, how, who cares how he looks. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're like one of my really good friends, you're eventually going to like meet him and see pictures. But that shouldn't be the first question or even like the first few questions you ask your friend about somebody. I think that is such an important point. I just want to like take that one minute and make it the whole episode played on repeat for 45 (laughs) minutes because that's like literally so important. And that's why it's like, yes, okay, you can have a quote unquote checklist, but don't have it be a checklist of these basic things that you could find on somebody's dating app profile or LinkedIn profile. Like those aren't the things that matter. And it's the same thing. I think with people having standards and expectations, it's like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't, don't have standards like, well, they had to go to this type of college mm-hmm. or have, work in this field or study this type of thing. No, have standards about how somebody treats you. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that is, I mean, you said it so well and I cannot stress that enough. And I love what you mentioned about like the questions we should be asking other people mm-hmm. because I think we really like focus on the wrong things. Mm-hmm. And then they, they like amp you up, right? Because if yeah. they're like, oh my God, he's so cute. Or like, yes, he's tall. You're like, ooh, like that makes him more attractive. And like, don't get me wrong. Obviously physical plays some type of role, but it's like your emotions, like your core, your gut, what is that telling you? And I think, you know, it's like a good um, activity to play sometimes. Like if you pretend like, I don't want to say you were blind, but like if those things weren't matter or if those things weren't apparent, like what is that, what about that person really makes them shine. Yeah. My friend, Jesse and I, um, when I was single, she's been dating, um, somebody forever. They're getting married next year. But, um, when I was single and she was dating, like we would talk about different people or like her now fiance's friends of friends. And it'd be like, Oh, like he's from the tri-state area. He went to like a big 10 school and he works for one of the Morgans. And I'd be like, perfect. Like that's the goal. That's the dream. Like, I don't care which Morgan. It was just like, he works for one of the Morgans. (laughs) And I'm like, well, that's the type of guy I want to be with. And it's like, Mm -hmm. No, <laughs> that's literally, first of all, I, I couldn't care less. Exactly. And, and even at that time, I actually couldn't care less, but it sounded nice. Mm-hmm. And no, that's I what I was attracted to. 
And then you learn and then you're like, wait, what actually matters? Because the formula for a long relationship is not how, like how they look or how tall they are, any of that. No, not at all. So (laughs) one thing I kind of want to go back to, so you mentioned that your long-term relationship ended kind of because you guys grew apart. And I'm sure that Mm -hmm. also played a lot into your awareness of wanting a growth oriented relationship, but I'm, I'd love to hear a little more about that because I know that's something that like a lot of people fear is just, you know, falling out of love with someone. I, there's um, a couple, I know they've been together for like five years and, and one of them just fell out of love with the other and, mm-hmm. and they just grew apart. And I imagine that that's really difficult when you, you know, you love and respect the person, but you're just different people or things just mm-hmm. aren't the same. You're in different places and you still have all this love for them, but it's not, like the relationship isn't built to last anymore. What Mm -hmm. was going through that like? Well, I think one age played a role because I met him when I was 21. And I feel like when you're 21 to 25, that is like such a huge growth spurt. And like, you know, you're, you're living like a million lives at that time. You're like discovering yourself. You're becoming, you're considered an adult, but you're not really an adult. Like you just, at at least for me, like graduating college, like exploring this, new world. So I feel like age played a role in my specific experience. But I think generally speaking, it is scary because nothing is guaranteed, right? Like not to be like a, you know, Debbie Downer, but like you can marry somebody, right? And be in love with them. On the day you marry and like commit, you still cannot guarantee a hundred percent that both of you will be in love or like have the same mindset, same values, because this is life. Like we're all experiencing and living life. I think the important part is that if you guys share a really strong like mindset and perspective, don't get me wrong, you can have different opinions on things. That's obviously normal. But I think like the, the core like belief system should be really similar. And I think checking in, I know you and I spoke about communication in my episode, but I think checking in and having communications, like I learned in relationships, you should always say like, hey, how are you feeling about our relationship? What are some things that I've done this week or month or whatever that has made you really happy? And what are some areas that, you know, I haven't been fulfilling my role as a girlfriend or a partner or whatever and, and having those conversations? Because I think what happens is that in relationships comes comfort, right? And then comes comfort comes this like, okay, whatever, like, we're together, but then like, are you still having those challenging conversations? And they are, they can always be uncomfortable, but I think those are really, really important. Yeah. I think one thing I like to say about those uncomfortable conversations and and to everyone listening, like if there's a conversation you've been avoiding, that's a sign that you need to be having it. And yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It's scary, but you will be better off for it and your partnership will be better off for it. And you know, if you want your relationship to work, you have to have these hard conversations and they're not always going to go well. And it takes practice. It takes practice communicating. It takes practice listening and, you know, sharing where you're coming from in the right way. But I think these are the conversations that really can end up making or breaking your relationship and, you know, ensuring that you're on the same page and have those same, like, goals and values. And Mm -hmm. it's so easy to avoid or say like, Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Like, Oh, like now's not the right time. It's the same thing with like breakups. Like people can put off breakups for literally (laughs) six months. because like, Oh, well, she's like working on a big project at Mm -hmm. work. Like, Oh, but we have this trip planned. Like I feel bad doing it before the trip, but then it's like the birth, the holidays. And then like never a right timing. There's no, you just have to do it. And it's the same for those hard, like hard conversations. Mm -hmm. And the piggyback back off of that, I think it's important to start early because how you set the tone for a relationship in the beginning is such like key foundation for how the relationship will end up being. So if you delay those tough conversations, it's going to be much harder to have them. But if you have them in the, in the beginning, you are creating a safe space to be like, wow, my partner listens and I feel okay opening up so that therefore any other problems that arises, you're like, oh, I already know how he's going to react. You know, he's calm, he's this and he's that. And if he's not, that's the perfect opportunity to teach your partner, you know, how you, not that how you would like to him to react, but how, but yeah. 
yeah, what's how, productive because, and what feels good and, mm-hmm. and respectful. Yeah, absolutely. Because the first argument is, I think is not exciting, but it's like fun in a way because you have no idea how they are. You know, you might be like, wow, this person wants to like talk about the issue right then and there. I'm the type that needs a minute to calm down. And that's such a good opportunity to talk about different habits of handling those situations. Yeah. And one thing I'll say just to add on is like, do not for any reason do any of this over text message. Oh my God. <laughs> like, no. Like, in like person, in case that wasn't obvious. I, yeah, I've had like, not. you know, I've had things with friends over the years and like Jake will see me and friends like sending these like essays back and forth to each other over oh, text. No. And he's like, Lana, if you ever sent me one of those, like <laughs> I'd be out immediately. It would just be goodbye. I'm like, no, like I'm like, honestly, break up with me if I ever send you one of those. Yeah, no, there's so much like, first of all, it's easier to just talk a person. And second of all, so many things can be misconstrued through text. Oh my God. So, so many. Yeah. So many. Okay. So talking about, you know, how we want to communicate and and how we want to effectively communicate and and do these certain things kind of bleeds into another topic I want to talk to you about, which is the boundaries, (laughs) which is something that we need to be setting. And a lot of us don't because they don't really know Mm -hmm. how. So I'd love to hear, you know, your experience with boundaries and, you know, maybe when you started learning about them and, and implementing them into your dating life. It was definitely through therapy. So I don't know if any of your listeners or even you can relate, but when I was first introduced to the term boundaries, I don't know why I just had like a negative connotation with that word because I come from like a people pleasing background. And I felt like if I were to set my boundaries, people wouldn't like it. They, I would come off mean and therefore I would not please people and therefore I would not have friends or whatever the case is. So I was like, who needs boundaries, right? Like whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how I feel. And then when I went to therapy and I would talk, I would talk about my experiences, she's like, well, it's because you didn't implement a boundary. And I was like, well, I couldn't do that because then they would like, like me less or whatever. But literally hearing myself just say that sounds so ridiculous because I'm also not being my true self and honoring my worth. And if I need to sacrifice those boundaries for somebody, how am I ever being like my true self with them, right? And I'm already chipping away in my own happiness in that process. So I had to learn, you know what, boundaries are important because they are a way to protect you. They're a way to you know, set what you think you deserve and what is okay with you and what it's not. And I realized if those boundaries scare people away, then they're not for me. Like people should respect your boundaries. And I remember this guy, he like ghosted me. I've talked about this in my book and I was like, okay, I need to set a boundary. I need to like talk about why this is not okay. Cause I hate when people leave me in the dark. Like yeah. I always say break my heart or whatever but just do it instead of like leading me on or like if you like literally don't like me just say hey I don't like you or I'm seeing other people (laughs) but don't just like you know be like in and out with me no I'm like yes or no so he kind of ghosted me and I came back to my life and I just set this boundary and said how like that is not okay with me and I respect that he's going through whatever he's going through but like in future instances I need communication and I remember the way I worded it. It wasn't mean or anything. It was just very direct. Um, and it was hard for me to send that. Like, I remember when I was typing that, I was like, oh, this is so hard because it was the first time I was setting a boundary. But then I felt so good afterwards and I felt so empowered. And I definitely think he felt uncomfortable. And, you know, long story short, it did not go well. Like our relationship didn't um, end well. But then I realized if he couldn't, respect that then like again he's not the one for me exactly and I think that's really important to emphasize too because sometimes you know we do things that we're afraid to do because we're afraid that they'll you know scare someone away or push someone away or they won't like us for it but at the end of the day if that's what we needed to do and that's what felt right for us and it didn't work for them then they are not the right person for us and we are not Mm -hmm. the right person for them and there there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and Mm -hmm. I think 
it's really important to remember, like you need the best thing you could do for yourself is be your most authentic self in Mm -hmm. dating and know that not everyone's going to like you, but at the same time, you're not going to like everyone either. Exactly. It's really hard to find that one person, but that's what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so hard. Like you said, there's so many options and it can go for you and against you, but you have to just like, I know it's so hard because I've been there. Like I've been in my like crazy search for love and I've been in that process of like, I'm never going to find somebody, blah, blah, blah. But like, honestly, if you just stay true to who you are and just work on yourself, like that energy translates. So yeah, that's what I believe. I want to ask you a few questions about, um, you know, dating in New York City. Because, of course, you're at the City Confessions. And I feel like there's a lot. I know a lot of our listeners are in New York City. Um, a lot aren't. But I think this could be really fun. So my first question for you is, what is your idea of the perfect New York City date? Honestly, it's going to sound so lame. But I love sitting at the bar. I don't know if anybody else does. But like I remember like at, like during COVID when we couldn't do that. I like really miss that. Like, I love sitting on a bar, meeting a stranger, being, like, cozy next to them, getting a drink, you know, dim lights, good conversations. Hopefully, we're vibing. But it's, like, something simple as that because there's so many, you know, restaurants and cafes and lounges and bars in New York City. And for me, it's always exciting to get dressed up and, like, meet at a specific neighborhood, you know, and just, like, have fun with it and, like, meeting new people. I love meeting new people. Um, So, yeah, just exploring New York City with a potential, you know, date. I love that. Do you have any specific like New York City date memories? Yeah, I have so many that I put in my book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, they all start with like a date at the bar. You know, I mean, my first few chapters, your girl definitely got wasted. Like I was just like, like wasting. Yeah. Then there were more dates where it was just Actually, I think also if you don't do like the the bar date, it's nice to just do like a day date, which I like mm-hmm. to do on the second or third date, but I've done them the first date and it's like such a good way to get to know them and not yeah. be like clouded with alcohol or like dim lighting because you see them like, you know, in the flesh yeah. and you're like, oh, okay. So I think those are fun as well. Like day dates, like brunch or coffee. I know coffee seems lame, but it can be fun. Like, yeah. you know, in a nice summer day. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I think it can be fun if you, you know, get coffee and then go for a walk or like do something yes. else. I don't know mm-hmm. that I think sitting at a coffee shop is a good first date unless it's maybe no. like a game, like a board game cafe, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But I think sitting at a coffee shop, it's just like, it's so unsexy and like, un- it's like an it's interview. Like, yeah. And, and we yeah. don't want that. We don't want that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, what has been your radius for the distance you'll travel being in New York City on dating apps? Oh my God, I love that you mentioned it. Okay, so before I moved to Williamsburg, I was still a city girl in the Lower East Side. And it was so funny because I remember like I had dates that like this guy lived in the Upper like East Side. And that was really far for me. Like I'm not going to lie. Um, but, you know, I knew that he would call me an Uber or whatever. <laughs> So I'm like, I'm cool with that. But um, I think, I don't know, but I can't give like a number, but I think like time, like if it's like more than 30 minutes on the subway, no, we can meet halfway or you can like come see me. But it's Mm -hmm. funny because now that I moved to Williamsburg and I love Williamsburg, like so many people that I meet are actually in Williamsburg and actually in Brooklyn, which has been great. But as a caveat is that I I don't think distance should also be like a factor because there's this one guy I also really like. He lived in the Upper West Side, so like opposite from the Upper East Side guy. And I remember like I did not care. Like I liked him so much that we would just vibe and like I would go home at 2 a.m. And it was never an issue because that's when I knew like, oh shit, like I like this guy. So it really just like depends. But like, yeah, as a New York girl, you don't travel for like, like an hour please. No. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> I agree. Happening. I think it's funny that you mentioned like when you find, like when you met someone that you like were into, cause yeah. I, <laughs> you know, but living in 
in Manhattan, my whole thing was like, oh, I'm never going to date a guy from Brooklyn. Like, so anytime mm-hmm. I would see somebody on the apps who lived in Williamsburg or Greenpoint or anywhere else, like it was an automatic no from me. Yeah. And I would even set my distance like so small, but then right. I'd meet somebody in person who was from Williamsburg mm-hmm. and not even like the Bedford stop, like a few stops down. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's fine. And and for four months, I took the subway after work yeah. a few times a week and went to Williamsburg. Yeah. And so I think it's something where it's like, it's so easy to, you know, filter people out, but it's not the end of the world. Like you can take the subway, mm-hmm. you can take a cab, you can take an Uber, yeah. a city bike, whatever it is, like give yourself the chance to meet people. Um, that being said, like, I also, you know, met a lot of guys who wouldn't go out with me because they said they had a rule where they wouldn't date anybody who lived above 14th street. (laughs) I know it's crazy. People who just want convenience. They're like, are you my neighbor or not? (laughs) Yeah. And look, I get it, but also like, (laughs) you know, and the the funny thing is like, look, I didn't want to date a guy from Brooklyn. And then I ended up dating a guy who lived in LA. (laughs) So like, It's crazy. What you do you just really never know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, where do you get your dating advice from? Um, I definitely listen to podcasts like Esther Perel and Mike Rose. But I think advice, like I actually stated this in the book as well. Like I've never really been the, the one to take people's advice. Like I'm a, I'm an Aquarius, so I'm like a little rule breaker. But I like to just, like I said, I'm a feeler. I just do what I want and whatever feels good to me. And I put advice that I've learned after every single chapter. But these are just things that I personally, again, have learned. But I've never been the type to just take people's advice. Like, people are like, don't sleep on the first date. Like, spoiler alert, I have. And like, oh, don't do this on the first date or don't do this, blah, blah, blah. But like, I could disagree with them, you know? So like, I don't think there's like, this golden rule of like what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Like if you feel in your heart that that's what you want to do and society says it's wrong, then fuck that. It's <laughs> also like even, even if society is saying it's wrong, that doesn't, A, that doesn't mean it's wrong. And B, that doesn't actually mean that like everybody who's saying it actually believes it. And I think like mm-hmm. as much as, you know, we both of us are have our careers on social media for the most part, like there are so many downsides to it. And I think that's one of them where people will get so hooked on these phrases or ideas of things that Mm -hmm. suddenly like those things are the rules. Those things are like the Mm -hmm. Bible of how we need to act and things we can and can't say. And like, there's no sometimes rhyme or reason to it. And also sometimes it can work for some people and not others. So I'm right there with you where like, I don't take advice. (laughs) I wish I did, but there's so much conflicting advice out there too. So it's tough. Yeah. I think you just find the ones that like align with what you feel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, if you could change one thing about modern dating, what would it be? That's such a good question. I kind of almost wish like dating apps wasn't a thing. I know it's such a norm now, but I really, I'm in a relationship now, but I really miss like before the whole app thing it was even existent because it was just so fun getting to know people and like we lose a lot of social skills with the apps and I feel like there's what with energy that's just something you literally cannot you just cannot like have that on an app you can vibe with somebody and say we have good banter but it's like to feel like this energy with somebody I, I think obviously the apps are great to connect people together that you probably would never, you know, probably meet, whether it's like long distance or visiting or whatever. But yeah, I wish modern dating, I wish there was less, just like the apps. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I was listening to Tinks the other day to her podcast and she mentioned something and I've just, I thought it was so well said where people Mm -hmm. are always like, oh, like, well, I can't meet anybody in person now or it's so hard to meet people in person. Mm -hmm. It's like ours didn't stop existing. Parties didn't stop existing. Mm -hmm. We just look at it that way because we have these apps. And so we think that the only way we can meet people is on these apps. But there are just as many opportunities as there always have been Mm -hmm. to go meet people in person. We just feel like we can't do it because there's this other thing here. No, I love that you said that. And let me just say one more thing. When my therapist, when I was like on these apps and like obviously about my experiences, 
she would say, okay, like imagine your ideal partner, your husband, whatever, like what are the things that he would be doing? And also like, what are the things that you like to do? So like, instead of like depending on an app, you can put yourself in like a business conference, you know how they have like networking events or like if you're athletic, join like a team. Or she said, if you don't want to like look at it that way, like you're almost like looking for your husband, you can just do things that make you happy and like pursue hobbies. So like, let's say you like painting, go to a painting class. You never know if you're going to meet a friend, your new friend, who has a brother or a cousin. And I was like, oh my God, you're so right. Because you literally never know. So I love that because once you start doing things out of your comfort zone, or again, something as simple as going to a cafe, talking to, you know, the bartender, the waiter, whatever, you can literally spark a conversation and somebody can be like, oh my God, like I have somebody for you. Like you should meet. You just, I'm telling you, you just never know. So yeah, there's so many opportunities. Yeah. yeah. I think those are perfect examples because the emphasis doesn't always have to be on, well, where can I go that I can meet somebody? Mm-hmm. You know, like just put yourself out there and connect with other people. And also don't be afraid to like make a new friend and be like, by the way, if you have anyone to set me up with, like yeah. I'm super open to that and would love to go on a date with somebody that you think I might hit it off with. It's not hard. We make if it you, so much harder than it needs to yeah, be. Totally. And if you don't ask, like you don't get, people don't know if you're looking for something. Yeah. So just put it out there, you know? Exactly. (laughs) All right. My last question for you. Actually, I want to add one in because I love, you know, turning the tables and asking people the question that they ask when I go on their show. What did I ask you? (laughs) What is your city confession? This is a good one. I haven't really confessed it so far since it was, it's Neil, but so in my book, I talk a lot about older guys. <laughs> so I'm 30 and all the time that I've been dating, like I was always, I was always attracted to older men. I don't mean like 50s, okay? Like, I mean like 35, 36, you know? And I did have an age requirement and I'm sure we all do, like, let's be mm-hmm. honest. But I was like, that was my thing. Like, if I meet somebody and they're like, oh, I'm 32, I'm 30, I'm like, like, automatic turn off. Don't even get the time of the day, okay? So my city confession is I deleted the app, um, you know, prior to releasing my book because I was just no longer on it. I didn't feel the need to be on it. And as part of, like, promoting it, I was talking about it in an event with Vince Camuto. And um, I met this guy at the event. And we hit it off, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm leaving to, you know, leave. And he stops me, asks me for my number. And the first thing I ask is, how old are you? Oh, my God. Because I still had this, like, age thing. And he said 27. And I was like, oh, sorry. You're too young for me. And he's like, how old are you? And I was like, 30. And he's like, that's just a couple of years. And I was so flustered at this point because I was in a rush to leave. I was like, okay, whatever. Here's my number. Um. He turned 28, so he's only two years younger than me. But long story short, we're in a relationship. He's my boyfriend. And, like, all my friends would, like, never would believe that I'm dating a guy younger than me because I swear to God, if you read my book, every single chapter, I'm like, oh, this guy is 35. Like, I dated a guy who's, like, 10 years older than me. Like, I don't know. I was always attracted to older men. And now my actual boyfriend is younger than me. So, like, this whole belief that I had is no longer valid. So it just goes to show, like you said, restrictions really, you're, you're, they're just filters, you know? I <laughs> love that so much. And obviously, I'm so happy for you. I love that story, though. And I love that it was something surprising. I think we yeah. all end up, you know, finding more success when we let loose a little and kind of break down those walls of like, okay, I have to go for a person like this, or I'm always attracted to a person like that. Um, so I think that's such a great story and a great example of that. And I'm glad that you gave it a shot. Thank you. And to be fair, let me just add one more thing. It was never like I was age discriminate, discriminating. It was more (laughs) like I knew I wanted something serious and I just felt like an older guy would be more willing to settle down than a younger guy. That was like the only reason why, you know? And in New York, that's usually the case. Like if you're younger, you're still in your 
little fuck boy mode and I wasn't so yeah yeah so there's I, always I totally exceptions to the rule always <laughs> always and like you said you're a rule breaker I love it yeah, um, okay last question what is the best piece of dating or relationship advice you've ever received okay I don't know who said this but I always quote it because it's so 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 important and it like fully wraps up this episode so it is your self-love needs to be greater than your desire to be loved by others just like sit with it sit with it girl it's just so powerful because it goes back to what we were saying about boundaries and like teaching people how to treat you and it's like so often we want to be in a relationship we want to be loved and we sacrifice so much but it's like i'm actually good you know like i love myself so much that whether you like me or not is not really going to affect me and if you do like me that's amazing and we'll just you know go from there but i i do not need you to love myself so i think that's really powerful i love that so much that is so, so great. Oh my God. Oh, this has been such a blast. We really could talk forever. I know. I know. I want to like do another episode with you. Yeah, right? me too. I'm like, wait, we have another in two hours, right? Um, where can everybody find you? Yeah. Well, my Instagram is my name. So it's at Marianne, M-A-R-I-A-N-N underscore Y-I-P. I'm sure Ilana will have it in the yep. description. And yeah, my book is also linked in my bio. I think it would be really like just fun for people to read. You never know if you can get something out of it. It's it's a book I told you it's about my dating experiences. But more than that, it's a book about like self-discovery, self-empowerment, and just what it's like dating in a crazy city in like New York City. And it's for singles and people in relationships. So I think it's fun. Yeah, just check it out. <laughs> amazing. I love that. I will link everything. I will share everything on the story. And this has been so amazing. Thank you again so much for being thank here. You. And to everyone who listened, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to send this episode to a friend, to the group chat, share it on your story, tag both of us. If you haven't given a five-star rating and review, definitely do that. And you can always book an emotional support human session or a dating app profile revamp. The links for those are in the show notes. I'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs>